The following podcast is recorded and produced by Emerge, a media creators co-op, in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Double Fist Punch Podcast, the only podcast where we instruct you on the art of self-defense through extremely efficient double fist punch action. Okay. <laughs> my back's okay that time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I hurt my back during the second take, so, but I'm okay now. Yeah, I was trying to go for a more Vulcan take on that one. That's right. Oh yeah, right. we definitely. The, yeah, the one that was definitely had a little bit more logical approach to it. All right. So speaking um, of Vulcans going crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, abs- going mad as as the uh, back of this box. We are covering the menagerie, as we said last week. We're skipping the Corbinite maneuver. I definitely knew that. Right. And didn't have to be told that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we're not going to skip it. We're just going to come yeah. to it next yeah. time. Uh, skipping it, coming back to it, so that we could cover the two part episode the menagerie um which is also the cage which i didn't mention in the last take we did so i guess we'll i'll just go straight through and read this here um (laughs) um the menagerie parts one and two star date 3012.4 spock hijacks the enterprise and risks death to help his former captain christopher pike played by jeffrey hunter who has been paralyzed and disfigured in a horrible accident. Spock sets a course for Talos IV, knowing that any contact with this forbidden planet will automatically bring a death penalty. What could motivate him to do such a thing? Cork. Cork. That's a different show. <laughs> Kirk, forced to convict his first officer and best friend, wonders if Spock could have gone mad. The only two-part episode, The Menagerie, won science fiction's coveted Hugo Award. Air dates November 17th and 24th of 1966. So, and I might have mentioned that this is also The Cage. Um, yeah. I think I mentioned that. So, so I mean, obviously most people watching this know this is that uh, they did a first pilot, uh, which was not well received by networks. So no one saw it. And so they were allowed to do a film a second pilot with the time was very rare. Um, and they made some changes, uh, which I'm sure we've talked about already. And that episode was The Cage. But Roddenberry was obviously very, thought he had this great footage and he had this great backstory that he wanted to implement into an episode, which obviously there was a ton. So they worked it into a two-part episode. And to be honest, I think it really works. I think it really kind of gives us a lot of background. And I think it's really cool. It gives us, if you think about the amount of lore oh, yeah. that has been created in this episode, um, there's as we talk as we go through the episode, there's so many things we can talk about, and why. And that's why I really enjoyed. I watched it with my son last night, uh, and he, you know, he hadn't seen this, so he 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 noticed a lot of things because he's a big Star Trek fan too. So, yeah, the the um, it's. It's it's definitely a good use of like from a production standpoint. It's definitely a good use of material. Like right. they, the the menagerie like the parts they they filmed for the 
clip show essentially. Right. Um, like it's a whole episode. Like, yeah. like I'd say, like if you cut out all of the stuff from the cage, you're probably looking at about a, a standard episode of oh, Star Trek. You're probably there. right. Probably plus or minus oh. a couple minutes. Yeah, for sure. Because there's obviously some things that are not. The, the cage is about an hour and two minutes. I looked it up. Um, the standalone cage episode was about 102 minutes. Um, and I'm assuming that's with credits and everything. And then there's some stuff that's deleted. So if you have like Paramount, you can go watch the cage. It's episode zero, which is what I did last time. Rewatch after I watched this, I watched the cage and I noticed some things and I've seen this before. Um, but I've no, I noticed some scenes that are some things that got cut out that are kind of explored a little bit more on, you know, in, in the, in the full episode. Yeah, the the um, so uh, something to note is like they couldn't actually get the actor that um, Jeffrey played, Hunter. Yep. Uh, yep. That played uh, the um, uh, Pike yep. originally. Uh, the the new one is Jeffrey Hunter. Or no, the, Jeffrey Hunter is the original uh, actor, and he yeah. was a pretty big actor. Like he's yeah. a country actor. He was a he was a western star, and. He died in 1969 in a car accident filming another film um, somewhere in Italy or Spain, I think. Um, so he, ironically, I guess if he wouldn't have been doing, if he would have gotten the Star Trek job, then he wouldn't have gotten into the car accident. So yeah. I don't know when, he, but he died. He was only 42 when he died. Like, so um, that's not the reason he wasn't available, though. From my understanding, he just wasn't available because he's like, I'm not going to come in just to not, on a show that I'm not going to be on. I think he was, he was, they were lucky to get him because he was a relatively well-known film actor um, already. And, you know, so they, they were looking for that kind of style actor supposedly. So, yeah, he, he's like, yeah, I read that as well, that it was like this um, relatively famous actor at the time. Like uh, they, they did that a lot for the, the pilot episodes, like both pilot episodes as they get these, Profile Shatner actors. was an up and coming actor at the time. He'd done a couple movies that he'd starred in, and um, and I think just once they decided to revamp it, I, it's funny that you were to think that it's kind of weird when you think about it that they decided to redo the pilot, but they changed a bunch of characters, a lot of different actors, and they changed the captain. Like they changed not just the actor, they changed the the name of the yeah. character. So I don't know. Like I haven't read a lot too much about if he chose to do that on purpose or. He decided just to change the character because Pike, Kirk, they're almost the same sounding style, like, you know, the mm -hmm. simple name. And I'm wondering if, like, he decided that in his mind he didn't want, he in his mind, that he wanted to keep that original Enterprise cast, in, like, crew in mind. And this is another, because obviously also updated, made some changes to the set. So clearly they must have gotten some production notes from NBC that they, or CBS or whatever it was, that they wanted them to make some other changes, too, in terms mm -hmm. of, like, the... You know, the little lamps and stuff that were on the yeah. on the furniture costumes that's costumes thing. and things like that although i think you know. um in the second pilot they still have those same costumes though right um they're not i think they're even a i don't know they're not quite the same they're similar but there's definitely some different costumes costuming for sure um you know with the pants and like even like dr dr piper has some different things on and stuff like that so it's neat so interestingly, um, back to the like like the present, I guess since right. the the whole episode is depicted as a flashback. Right. Um, the actor they have for Pike 
now yes. looks more similar to his Strange New Worlds, um, or I guess the Strange New Worlds Captain Pike looks more similar, in my opinion, to this actor than he does to the original actor for Pike. Sure, I can I can agree with yeah I think I get that. I think this actor you know kind of it's funny because they put the gray hair in him and stuff like that to make him look older and obviously a, a ton of makeup prosthetics or whatever that they did um you know yeah and i and i and i think that they've you know there's there's all kinds of funny memes about the use of you know the guy's hair and stuff like that because anson mount i wanted to look it up so i didn't get it wrong but anson mount who's been on a bunch of different things like he's taken over the character of captain pike but there's so much like i definitely see some similarities but there's different things that he did in his performance that harken back to the little bit of Pike that he was able to watch. Oh, yeah. You know, the, from Jeffrey Hunter's performance. Yeah, I mean, so. um, he didn't really have much of a performance. No, he had much of a Yeah. It was beeping and uh, yeah. moving his eyes. Yeah, moving his eyes around. There's a, there's a couple things. There are a couple things. Let's start going through it. Let's start going. Yeah. Let's go. How do you want it? Do you want to? Let's just start just at start the it like, Let's just start about how with how horrific that is. Like, he's... He's just he's ba- he's as close to a vegetable as you can get. So the timeline is is that is for those of you that might be watching Strange New Worlds, Strange New Worlds, everything that's happens in the menagerie slash the cage on Strange New Worlds has already happened several a couple of years before this. So everything we're seeing on that show now, and now it's gone through two seasons, it has already happened in uh, Captain Pike's past. Um, and also, it's been referenced. Actually, if you watch Star Trek Discovery, there's references to this. Um, so Cap- Captain Pike is in uh, an entire season of Star Trek Discovery, and now he's had two seasons of. So Anson Mount, you know, has played a lot more of Captain Pike than anybody else has played already. Um, but so that stuff has already happened. So what I think that's really cool is that we're seeing this younger Spock. And, you know, like this Captain Pike's not his friend. Mm. Um, you know, it's his mentor. It's his dad. It's like it's, it's, it's like more of a father than maybe his own father, so to speak. So I, I think that that's established pretty well, um, even in like the, I think that leads to why I think I like this so much. But, yeah, like the thing is, so we know like on Disco- on, Dis- on on Strange New Worlds, like Pike, um, I don't want to do any spoilers, but Pike kind of knows He's had a vision of himself with that look on his, with that stuff on his face, his face all melted from radiation. But he thinks that that's going to lead to his death, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, that type of thing. So it's kind of neat. Like it's really kind of neat. And yeah, but it's a horrific thing, but it's an heroic thing. He does yeah. it to save cadets. Yeah. Like, and we, we also get like the, the impetus for um, the way they wrote Spock and Pike's relationship in Strange New Worlds because Spock is totally out of what like what Kirk would consider his character because like Spock is deceitful in this episode he's right he's very much you know I think he's the one who arranges for them to go there in the first place yes I'm pretty sure like they weren't really summoned there well as we get through the episode i kind of want to i want to kind of when we get through the episode as we finish the discussion i want to ask you your perception on where spock got the idea Mm. to do this oh yeah 
yeah, I think there's, that's an there's, interesting. There's you know, some interesting like, like those aliens. They have powers which which kind of give you the idea that this might have been all set up by them. Yes. But we'll get to that. So. So, what, what do you think of like Sp- Spock attacking like Starfleet personnel? Like he, he, well, he doesn't attack them really, he, but he he doesn't do like it's kind of funny. Like you know, Christian, my son Christian and I were watching the episode, and you know we obviously the Enterprise goes to the star base, and and now we're already kind of into the episode, and everybody's wondering like, well, we didn't send you a message, so there's already like mm-hmm. people are concerned. That Spock is lying, but Kirk doesn't want to believe it. McCoy doesn't want to believe it. There's a great conversation where McCoy's like, I can't, like, this Spock can't do it. Like, but Kirk's, like, just so darn confused about it. So Spock basically goes, and he has the computer knowledge to do, obviously. So he's in, like, the computer lab or whatever he's doing, the communications room. And he's like, the guy, one guy says, hey, man, you're not supposed to be in there. And it's like Spock tries to, like, basically not do anything to him until he kind of has to. Mm-hmm. Then the other guy he just knocks out right away. Like he knocks the one guy out almost almost immediately with the Vulcan. So he does two Vulcan neck pinches. So he doesn't really like. It's kind of funny. I think the one guy's like punching the punch him yeah. in the face like five times, yeah. and it just shows that like Vulcans are pretty tough. You can hit him in the face pretty good, and they're not gonna they're gonna take a punch. Yeah, we. He didn't try the double fist punch. If he tried the double fist punch, maybe yeah, it would work better. That might have worked. You know, um, you, you know, we'll never know. Yeah, well, well, obviously he wasn't trained in the uh, right, he, superior right. martial arts being just well, a... he's a, he's a computer yeah, guy. Yeah, he's just a computer tech. They, they don't teach the good moves training. to just everybody, you know? <laughs> you're in the lab. You yeah. don't need to do that stuff. No, I think that's like, yeah, definitely like he's doing things that if you're just... You said it before we went on the air, like, if you're just watching this, like, what yeah. the frick is wrong with Spock? Like, it's so, you know... Yeah, they don't... They don't um, I think they call it burying the lead, or... Or maybe they do bury the. Li- I might be using the terminology incorrectly. Julie, Julie, help me out. You heard that term? Burying the lead when, like, you know, we already know what's happening. Um, right. Well, e- either way, they they say we we come into this episode and we know nothing. Like right. it's not like a lot of the other episodes where it's like, and oh, this guy just died. What happened to? Oh, there's the bad guy. Right. It's not like that. Like, right. No, this don't... one's yeah. This one definitely like you have to watch this episode to find out what's going to happen. There's very little that's kind of there's not like a, a captain's log that unbeknownst to us at this time that this had already happened. Like sometimes they kind of give it away because that was the way things were done sometimes mm-hmm. in the 60s. But they don't do that at all in this episode. Um, yeah, you know, it's very secretive in terms of what's going to happen. So. Yeah, they definitely let us like kind of discover what's going on. Like if you're if you're if you are watching this episode for this first time, right? It's just going to be like, what 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 is happening right now? Why is he doing this? Well, like, and the thing is, he he goes in there, and early on, he goes in when he stays alone with like the right away. You're like he's there with Captain Pike, and he says like, you know what I'm going to do, right? We have mm. to do this, and he's like, and beep beep, he's like it's your it's your life like we have to do this like spock has made a logical decision which we realize later on that he's made the logical decision that everything that captain pike has done for him is more important than his own life and his own career yeah which yeah. is 
Spock's made a logical decision. He's not being manipulated by like a you know like a something or a disease. He's making this decision because this guy's that important to him. Yeah, even Pike didn't want him to do this. No, like because Pike knows that the, because of General Order Seven or whatever it is yeah. that theoretically, you know, like he's going to be executed. It's the only it's the only executable offense left on the books. Yeah. It's a little overplayed. Yeah, a little, little like, overplayed. Maybe you know, just like yeah, definite career career ender. Yeah, like maybe don't execute. They clearly people. understand like they don't want anyone to go yeah. to this planet, and I'm assuming that. So let's talk about General Order Seven or whatever it is. Like, Starfleet knows what it is because Pike is the one who came back and said, "Listen." We're going to be going to this planet with these people with heads with big butts on the back of their heads. And they look like butts, by the way. Let's just be clear. They look like butts. There's like a butt crease, butt cheeks in there. And But they can control your minds and they can do stuff. So we should really avoid that planet because if we go there, we'll probably get that ability and we'll kill ourselves. Like, mm. they kind of allude to that in the episode, which is why, like, you know, I, I think that's why General Order 7. But the only reason General Order 7 exists is because Pike is, went back to Starfleet and said, we should not have this. We shouldn't be allowed to go to that planet. We should close off that section of space. Yeah, I, I feel like other things would also il- elicit, like, a General Order 7-like uh, response. Like, um, right. I know there's a, I think it was in TNG, we encounter a hostile race that, like, they they almost destroy the Enterprise, but... Right. Picard convinces them, oh, no, 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 we're, we'll never be back here. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it's... Well, maybe it's, there are general orders, we just don't yeah. hear about them. Maybe <laughs> we just don't hear about them. But it seems like it's just weird that we would have General Order 7 for this one specific planet, but the it just make it, it works for the episode, obviously. The one executable offense. Yep, that's it. Um, so we, we get those stakes, and he, he, he kidnaps Pike, and it is, it's a kidnapping, yep. like, Pike didn't want to go he yep. didn't want to do this he didn't want to be part of the end of spock's life essentially yeah, he couldn't put any brakes in the wheelchair so and, uh, this is we also see like a um can he move his wheelchair like independently they say uh, commodore mendez says that he can move it forward a little bit back a little bit uh, maybe turn it but that's about it everything mm-hmm. else is he's pretty much just required you know he can't like and again, they, I think they make a good point of that, that they've, there's all these medical advances, but his body, because of his injuries, there's just no way to tap into his human brain. And it's kind of, you know, disappointing that, you know, we're this far into the future and they still can't fix this stuff. But um, obviously it works for the episode. I mean, it's just one of those things you have to yada yada. Yeah, I, I think the, the idea of the episode was that, like, his life is so horrific that, um, or what's left of his life is so horrific, his existence is so tragic that you know anything is preferable essentially right um well i mean so so obviously you know kirk follows in a shuttlecraft with mm-hmm. commodore mendez yes commodore mendez and um and you know like they get to that point where they can't turn back mm-hmm. so they're gonna run out of fuel and they're gonna you know they're gonna suffocate and everything and I like the fact that Spock just says, "I well, I can't let them die because yeah. that's that's bad." So he's not that insane if you think he's crazy. And he, then he just he says, "Okay, uh, Doctor McCoy, uh, I'm you know I I didn't have orders to do this, so arrest me." Yeah, that that was the you whole know? point of like obviously letting it, we learn later that letting him die would have been kind of a- antithetical to what he was actually trying to do because. Right. Right. Like the whole reason he didn't tell Kirk about this is 
because Kirk, as he says, would have been 100% on board with it, and Kirk didn't want to, or Spock didn't want to, you know, lead Kirk to. His he didn't death, want anybody else to have to suffer for mm-hmm. what he decided he needs to do. So that's kind of cool. And then he has this whole ploy to, to that he, because he like that. It's funny because they'll get to it and they describe it in the episode that Spock has this plan. I'll do the court martial thing because that mm-hmm. will make them waste time i demand an immediate court martial so spock immediately says i want a court martial hearing right now i waive everything not when we get back to star bait with whatever i want you to do it right now so he again even if you think he's crazy he's still out he's still outsmarting them all the way he's already got he has contingency b all set up in case he couldn't get there Mm -hmm. his hope obviously that he was going to get there but then obviously if they don't get there then he has to this whole this whole other plan he had all along yeah that was like um i think that was a a rhetorical trick he used on comet the commodore which is interesting that, that maybe the commodore was playing along all along but uh he the commodore asks him why right which opened up the court to basically hearing evidence right uh, um basically without any restrictions right uh which in this case the evidence happened to be the cage well and obviously as you know as you learn in the episode it's not really commodore and as anyways it's always just someone that was in their mind anyway but they clearly they clearly are able to read minds from long distances Mm -hmm. and they're able to almost it it almost in some sense you feel like they've communicated with spock Mm mm-hmm that they've talked about this like in in some telepathic way so that he understands what they want to do um and again i think he but spock doesn't realize that menendez is is fake no he no, clearly I... thinks that that's the real menendez um because for whatever reason i think they kind of feel like that's the best way for this to play out the telosians you never mentioned their name telosians yeah, so. technically, um, Spock w- did not have uh, means for a court-martial because he did not actually have three command officers on the ship. Right. He only had two. But <laughs> they, but Pike was never taken off the active duty roster, and Spock knew that. Well, I meant uh, com- the Commodore. Oh, true. Yeah, he had Kirk. True. The, uh, so Pike. maybe that's another reason they didn't want Spock to realize that, because Spock would be like, well, we can't have a thing because it's fake. Like, So I don't know. It's, I guess you could read into it that way. You're right, because technically Commodore Mendez wasn't there. I always kind of forget that. Like, he's not really there. Like, he's not there. He, but but he he's what you would expect him to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he's, he's kind of behaving the way you think he'd behave. Like, you know, and following the rules and like, that's why I love the end of that first episode. I jumped a little bit is that when like you know, he kind of lays into Kirk, he's like, you know, you just lost your command now, too. Like, and then I love that line. I was like, lock him up when 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 Kirk, you know, he's pissed at him, like lock him up because what else is he going to do? But um, so they like you mentioned, they open the door and then we start seeing this stuff. My son immediately says, before we even get back to the dialogue, he's like, well, what are these camera shots? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, why, why would they be, why would, like, and then they immediately, and I give them a lot of credit for this in the writing of this episode, say that, no, there are no ships, even in the future, that keep this kind of detailed records, that this is clearly, but this is literally what happened. This is yeah. all video or whatever, imagery that they're seeing on the screen, which is actually actual footage like 
that is accurate to what happened. And Pike even says, beep, yes, this is true. This is what, how exactly how it happened. Yeah, I think Which is obviously a yada yada because we're watching, oh, yeah. we're watching <laughs> filmed footage. Yeah. Also, I think they might have like remastered the stuff from the cage that they're seeing on the screen, which is really interesting. Well, I like, like when they're in the briefing room and they're literally watching it like a movie. Yeah. Like there's literally <laughs> rear projection. And they're, they're at, it's at the far end of the briefing room. There's like a screen on the wall. Like, you know, you might as well have a guy with like a movie projector. Obviously, it's rear projection. And then after they, they'll zoom in on the, re, on the screen, you know, and then they cut over yeah. to the actual footage. So even like the technique for its time, I think, is done pretty well. Um, I do like that first shot of the Enterprise um, where it's like the ship's kind of pulling and they do the thing and they kind of come up onto the, the top of the hull. And that the bridge is like, like they kind of fade through the hole into. Oh, the it's got like a glass dome almost, yeah, like or that's the dome. idea. Yeah, I, I honestly thought there might have been a glass dome. Like I, that, I didn't catch like phasing. Obviously, you see, like, I don't think they they at least for me got the the um w exactly what they wanted to portray because I didn't see that as as phasing through the wall i saw that as they're just in a like almost half the bridge is a glass dome right which obviously there are cuts to the screen and right. in the episode so like it's not but right. um like I, I, I always felt like the enterprise has a glass the bridge of the enterprise has a glass ceiling mm -hmm. that if you were sitting on the bridge of the enterprise and also the next generation enterprise mm -hmm. too because you can see that it gets broken like you could literally look up and see space through the ceiling which seems really dumb, like a really bad idea. See, but that was that was kind of my assumption too, was that it was a glass, a glass dome. If you watch the original, or or on... transparent aluminum, which was invented by Mr. Scott back in nineteen eighty four. If you um, if you watch the original, not you know, uh, what is it called? Like the the not remastered version of right. it. It's literally just the enterprise and then a, a circular cutout and yeah. they just zoom in on it. It's right. so, it's so janky. And you're yeah. like, what the hell am I no, watching? I didn't really have any other way of doing it back then. But, um, I mean, I do like the, like even on the back of the, of the, of the, there's this one matte painting that they use. Um, uh, 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 here, sure, this here, is here, a, you, you know, this one's a very well-known matte painting. And then there's another one at the very beginning of the episode mm -hmm. when they beam down, uh, to and they only use that technique a couple times where they would do a big giant matte painting mm. and then there would be like the you know like they would have one little tiny thing and they would just chroma key it in or whatever however they did it back then um, but I always like because this is obviously from the episode when they make him relive some memories so what do you want to get to do you want to get to um, you anything else like we want to talk about within what's going on in the real enterprise or do we want to get into some of what's going on with the flashbacks I just wanted to mention like I think it's just it's just cool that like everything they were seeing on the screen like they weren't receive like I think Uhura mentions if I remember correctly that they weren't receiving any transmissions right like that's just the Telosians projecting that onto the screen yes theoretically the Telosians could just put them there and make them see it in you know well, I think they're trying to get them to understand 
what they're trying, what they're, why they want Captain Pike to come back. They want them to have context of the. I've always viewed it is that they wanted to give Kirk context mm -hmm. for why, because they're hoping once they get there, Kirk will have seen the whole story play out, mm -hmm. and Pike will admit that he should just stay there, and that they can then justify. Um, but the thing that's funny about it too, and they talk about it at the end, is those images weren't just sent to the Enterprise. Those images were sent to Starfleet, too. So they were seeing those images. Commodore Menendez and the dark-haired woman that, you know, makes a funny comment about being friends with one of Kirk's girlfriends. Um, um, they're, seeing, they're seeing that footage back at Starbase 4 or 5 or whatever it was. So it's interesting that they're all seeing this. And it's weird, too, because, like, in a sense, like, why did they have to put it on a screen? Why didn't they, couldn't they just project it into their minds? But I think, again... They were trying to. Um, they all understand it's all about the illusion. Their whole thing is the illusion of a. So in a sense, the illusion of a fake court martial is kind of what these people like. They're all about fantasy. Everything they do in their lives is based on this this addiction to playing out fantasies based on memories. That's why it really, really leads me to believe that Spock had to have talked to them. Yeah. Like. He had to have, I mean, maybe they didn't give him all the details with, you know, Commodore Mendez and all that sort of stuff. But, like, he had to have talked to them and planned yes. taking him there. Because it just... Well, there, we might as well talk about it. I yeah. agree with that. I feel like they reached out to him somehow knowing that what had happened to him. And as we get to the end of the episode, they really needed Pike. Mm. So for what to, to be able for their race to survive, they needed a, they needed people, so to speak. And, and a lot of the, the races that they've tried to work with don't work. Um, so they really felt like they were going to they So they really so somehow they are connected to Pike still. Mm. Um, and, and when they find out about the accident, because it's not like the accident was like 10 years ago. The accident was relatively recently because, mm. again, this is and again, we haven't mentioned this. This episode takes place 13 years. What we're seeing is what we're seeing happened 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's, you know, there's, and, and when we watch Star Trek next um, strange new worlds, that's 10 years before. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously that's where I got my mind, my numbers that whatever happened with this episode. And when we see strange new worlds is 10 is three, four, about three years later. Um, so clearly they have been monitoring what's been, they're able to, to see, you know, whatever like from across the galaxy, maybe because of the terrific energy uh, accident that maybe that's, they're connected to him after having probed his thoughts so much. And they find him initially too. Like if mm. you think about it. Yeah, he's there on the planet. Yeah. Like and he sees the same, yeah. you know, he, it, his logic doesn't like make him immune from seeing the illusions that they've, put forward well because kirk doesn't know what's happened to pike but clearly spock knows so it wasn't like he got an email so do you think that the telosians reached out and said hey you know you're still on that ship um you were his friend you know we have like you know would you know we want him to come here you know that you can he can live out a normal a relatively normal life instead of being stuck in his chair and he can be with someone he clearly was in love with. I, I think all of the signs point to him being contacted by the Telosians just because of how 
<clears throat> he doesn't really seem well, other than Commodore uh, Men- Menendez. Menendez disappearing. He didn't really seem shocked by any of the things that, like, like he even he even says, "Well, turn on the view screen or something like right. that," and then it turns on and it's there. So he knew that was going to happen. Right. So the only logical explanation for that is that he knew that. Um, or they contacted him. Well, clearly they probed Spock's mind, so they know what Spock's doing. So even if Spock didn't have to say, well, let's have a meeting, we'll do a Zoom call, mm-hmm. and here's my plan about how we'll do like a fake court-martial in case if I can't get him there, then we're going to have to do a fake court-martial. They've obviously like, you know, probed his mind, and they know what the plan is, um, that they trust him, that he's, cause, that he's, going to, he's going to do what he has to do to get him there. Um, you know, and then that... Uh, and then we kind of get into that, you know, what'd you think of, you know, what do you think of like what we see of that era of like Pike and Spock and number one? And what do you think? I, I mean, and if you'll notice in front of us, we have some uh, martinis because oh, yeah. uh, I really do like this scene. So cheers. Because um, who would want to who'd want a dry martini? I'm not a, I'm not a bartender. <laughs> No, you're not. I really like Strong. that doctor, though. Oh, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> just the old. Like, I like that scene a lot. I love the music in that scene. Yeah, you're, 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 you're oh, sure uh, giving me a lot of uh, medical advice, bartender, or something like that. He's, well, he's like, he's going in there. He's like, I'd like the doctors to, to agree with my thing that we're going to. Oh, of course, I agree. Like, so you can see that they have a friendship already. And, um,. And he's like, what the devil are you putting there, Ice? He's like, well, who'd want a dry martini? So, like, clearly, but I love that scene um, so much. I love that scene that, like, you know, he's confiding in his friend. He's confiding in his doctor that he just, he's fed up. Like, he he, he got people killed. And that, and it's, again, it's very Kirky, too. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Kirk being, you know, like, just fed up. Like, but we never see Kirk kind of in that mind, that mindset. But we definitely, like, Pike's a different character. Uh, he's a different type of captain, even though they're both very strong and, and, and all that stuff. But um, but he just went through something horrific, and he feels like maybe he should do something else. More like Cisco on Deep Space Nine in a sense that he's ready to, to try a different career. The, maybe the Federation isn't the only thing out there for him. And, and, and he's going to do what? Is he going to be a Lion, an Orion slave trader? Like, what are you going like, to do? You know? that, that does make a lot of sense, actually, that... Pike feels a lot like, well, as depicted in that episode, anyway, he feels a lot like Cisco did, or does, will feel. like, Or, or even in Next Generation, yeah. that first episode after the Borg, season, episode two of the Borg season, when Picard goes back to his hometown. He goes back to, to see his brother. Mm-hmm. And I love that episode. I think that, you know, there's like PTSD there. There's like, mm-hmm. clearly they're folk, there's their... They're they're not afraid to cover that, and and um until we get to that you know I mean I love that episode I mean I I mean to, to, you know take a slight tangent when he has that fight in the mm. winery with his brother and he literally just starts to cry and it's not like a Star Trek fight it's just two guys it's two brothers like fighting each other like they were kids and he's yeah. just like they you don't know what they did to me and I remember was watching that episode the first time and it was shocked and you realize how lucky I already have Patrick Stewart playing Captain Picard. But I, I think this is a similar kind of scene, like mm-hmm. that they're humans and they have th- their frailties and stuff. And I think that's a great scene. And the music, that's the original Alan, Alexander Courage music. And it's just really good. It's just good music. 
Yeah, we d- you know. we definitely we definitely see like uh, Pike's more serious than Kirk, I think. Like just definitely. just a little yeah. bit, like in the yeah. way he in his mannerisms, he ho- holds himself a little bit like right. more rigidly. I yep. I want to say definitely. I'd say that Kirk has a lot of swagger. You know? Definitely. Like there's a little bit more conceit with and you'll find on when they get into Strange New Worlds, you'll see that and I don't want to give too much away, but you're gonna see that that different will play out on Strange New Worlds. The other thing is funny, like he mentions what happens on Rigel Seven or whatever it is, mm. that he loses his ensign and stuff. That is a that's an Easter egg. It's not, because all these years later they that that concept of what happens on Rigel Seven is talked about on Strange New Worlds too. So there's just so many smart things that they're doing in Strange New Worlds, which makes everything on this. They, they there's so much stuff. Number 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 one, yeah. like the way she's kind of Spocky, like like just these different characters and how they're going to take, um, how they're going to take like that little bit we learned about these little bit of characters and apply it to a show that we're going to put out thirty something years later, fifty. What is it? More than that. Yeah, num- 50 num- years later. Number one is tough. Yeah, she, she's a tough woman. Like she's yeah, just, she's running that briefing. Yeah, yeah, she's she's very no nonsense. Uh, I I I appreciate her as a character. I, I wish I wish um, Kirk had a character. Well, maybe I don't. But like because like it's easy to just say, well, I wish Kirk had this or that. But like it it would have been interesting if Kirk had like. Like Spock kind of filled the same role that like number one takes on, but it's right. also different because like she's just she, I, I, don't, I don't know how to s- describe it. There's just a lot of like she's intensity got that there. she's got that tough thing. She's very rules and regulated. She's very mm-hmm. by the book, and um, I think that kind of like you know lines right up. Like the fact that we don't even know her name and he just calls mm-hmm. her number one. You know, like we don't learn her name in in canon from very very long time, um, and I think that that's re- she's played very well. I like that she's like the helmsman and not like the science officer. Um, I don't. I just think it's really. I like the other guys. You know, like I like the crew that kind of beams down with them, and and um, I I really love for whatever reason I I love the music in this episode. I when they when they take her. Because it's really funny. They beam down. To the, we're now we're on to the to Lotions, and they end up having to go to the planet and everything. And, like, they come up on these, these old guys. And, and it's funny because there's a trick here, too, because Christian caught this right away because he was like, they say this is Vina, and she her parents are dead. And um, she, was, she was born right after we crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, so my son's like, wait a second so she's like 17 <laughs> she's like she's a minor <laughs> but she's not a minor because we find out that she was an adult mm. member of the crew that cr- of the ship that crashed but at that moment she's supposed to be like 17 or 18 years old and mm. she's like flirting with the captain but he's but clearly you see that he's attracted to her right away mm. like he's something about him that he's attracted to her yeah you know? it, it might not even be entirely voluntary on his part it True. might be the Talosians doing something. Definitely. Um, which we see, like, like pr- more primitive emotions seem to block out their um Yeah, they, w- that he figures that out. It's very, it is very Captain Kirky, actually any captain from Star Trek, that's kind of figuring out, like, what the, how to, how to mess with the aliens so much. I mean, that's a theme through all these shows. Um, how to get under their skin, how to kind of, you know, like, 
like again, there's a, there's there's any way out of the cage. I'll find you could almost put Captain Kirk and Cisco uh, in that in that maybe Janeway too. You could put them all in that cage, and they'd probably all find a way to fight out of that cage where Picard would be like, well, let's discuss it. And yeah. let's, 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 let's access some literature that we could read yeah. and discuss, you know, <laughs> like things like that, where Picard's a very different type of, of, of person in these in environments. Um, I, I really, I think that that's really well laid out. And um, I like that they take them and the crew realizes it. And I love that scene when they get their little, their cool, f I love those, those original phasers. They're even not even called oh, yeah. phasers. They're just lasers. They look like just a piece of like, I, there's a little handle on, they're just they're pieces of shit. But I just love, I love those original phasers. They're not even, they're, they're just called lasers. They don't even have the word phaser yet. And they start blasting and the yeah. shit, like, but like the doctor right away in the briefing is like, maybe we did. Like, we just don't, they, they, their, their ability to mind control is we have to be very careful about this. Like we have to be very careful because they they can outthink us with this stuff, yeah, which is neat. I think we see that same prop uh, laser as well. Like I think, I think uh, they have that in. Um, now I can't remember the name of the episode. The one with the robots, the androids. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, um, that phaser is yeah. what those guys have when they're on yeah. that planet, which and makes sense because they would have an older model too. Yeah, and then um, the doctor in the 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 first aired episode um, with the salt monster. Oh yeah, he that's also right. Has one yeah, of those. yeah, doctor, what's his face? Leonard, no, what's the guy's name? Is he's got one of those, the salt monster guy. Yeah. Like, so, um, so at least they didn't go away entirely. <laughs> no, it's a good, it's a cool prop. You know, yeah, I they, saw one online once. It was sold for like fifteen thousand dollars or something. Like that. Like <laughs> one of the original ones. Now you can just make all that stuff by yourself. But, um, Speaking of the phasers, by the way, I, I like that, like, so they, the, sh the ship, that multiple episodes, they reference phaser crews as if, right. like, it, it's like a gunnery position, right. essentially. Yeah, they bring down one of the ship's phasers, and I guess that's just what's in the ship firing phasers is the, those guns. Oh, I maybe. didn't think of it that way. Like I, I just I interpreted it as they literally just took one of the guns from the ship, put it on the planet, and then just fired it at the side of a mountain. <laughs> That's I didn't, I you know, I didn't it. think of it that way because I felt like somehow the there was an energy transfer from the ship though. Yeah, there's almost like a Bluetooth technology that would allow them to transfer the ship's energy, like to that device. And I never thought of it that they literally just took one of the phaser bank, like one of the phaser banks out of the ship and on a cargo transporter and <laughs> moved, beamed it down and like set it up and sheared off a whole mountain. Like, like basically, cause even later on, you'll see that they like, Oh wow. They, we did, we did, yeah. we did the fuck this up pretty well. Like we just couldn't see, you know, um, that is neat. And they got the little, the fake little goggles and we see the action and stuff. Like, I think the action's pretty cool. Um, I, I like it. I like the, I like the camaraderie of the crew. I think that's really cool. It's a good um, thing they didn't aim that thing at the ground. Then it just blown up the whole facility. Well, it's funny because later on, when when they start, you know, when he starts to realize it's all mind control based, like when when the other crew beams down, um, you know, that's kind of neat. So um, yeah, he grabs one of the phasers and he, he just he, he fires it and nothing happens, but there's still a hole there. There's a hole, and then he holds it up to the guy's head, and he's like. He's like, you know, I'm testing my, uh, you know, like, I think you're mind controlling me and you're preventing me from seeing that hole in the glass. I think I'm going to try that out in your head because <laughs> <laughs> if I fire this 
hit your head, you're dead. Like your your head's gone, so there won't be any illusions left because you won't have a head to create those illusions with you know like the goofy little ways they made the little uh, the little whatever the veins, the veins. pop. That was pretty good. Uh, for, pretty good prosthetics. For creepy as hell. Pretty yeah. good prosthetics for 1965 or yeah, whatever even, this was. Even with the modern scanning technology, when they rescanned the footage, I, I couldn't really see the seams. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I, I, I like. It's really the, well done in this. There's, there's some. I mean, the goofy Viking-looking guy that he fights is hilarious. <laughs> it's just, so bad. Oh yeah. It's cool. such a bad. It's it's a bad fight. It's. Uh, the one thing that I, that Christian and I talked about last night, and you, you even talked about this downstairs when we were watching you do build your Legos, was that Captain Kirk's a great fighter. Mm. Jeffrey Hunter is not a great combat. He was not a good stage combat fighter. Like that fight, he looks, he doesn't look believable as the captain of a ship when he's fighting the guy with the bad teeth. Yeah, he just ends up, like, on his hands and knees, and he's just trying to get up. And, like, the the throw was interesting. It does, I think when he throws the sword at him, he, he like, throws it like, like – Kind of like, like – yeah, he kind of yeah, throws like, it like, like that, yeah. and then they cut right to it's already yeah. in his back. <laughs> and he's got a weightlifting belt on, which is, like, that huge thing. And I think I, I, think I Googled this before, and I probably got it wrong. I'm pretty sure it's the same actor that played Bigfoot on The Six Million Dollar Man about 10 years later. <laughs> That's all that guy ever did. He was always just a really cool guy. And, like, you know, I, I recognized he played, he played, he played Bigfoot, I, I think, on Six Million Dollar Man. But he, like, and it's like that, you know, that set that they had somewhere that was from some other movie that they used. Definitely. And, you know, and it's funny. Like, but I like the, I like the scenarios that they put him in. Um, they want him to like become connected to her by putting him into one of his memories, and, um, and but she's there too, mm. so he realizes that he has to. It's kind of like a holodeck mm. without the safeguards. You kind of got to play it out. Like it, you, if you die in this thing, you may really die. Like or you're gonna at least experience the the level of pain. Because um, they do mess with him when they put him in like the lava and shit, and his arms are on fire and everything. Like that's pretty well done, I think. Yeah, they they boil him or something. Whatever. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like whatever it is. So, like from a fable from when you were a child. I don't know what fable he was told, but that's pretty bad. Um, how do you like it when he goes back to Mojave? Oh, the the Orion slave girl. No, 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 Mojave. Before he goes to the Orion slave girl, he goes to Mojave. His farm is Mojave. So it, here's how I know this. So it's not in that episode, mm. but in the original Cage episode, um, clearly they're just sitting on a soundstage and there's a map painting behind them. And and he said, I grew up in Mojave. And then um, Vina, who plays, who's supposed to be like his country bumpkin wife at that point in the illusion, is talking about that this used to be all desert, but now it's all it's all farmland and stuff. So even though we make it feel like it's like Texas or Georgia or something, it, it, no, like in the future, this future of Earth, the Mojave Desert is now all green. So they've terraformed Earth. Um, so all the deserts are now, and he grew up there, and he's got his, he's got his horse Tango. Um, and, and I like that element of it that like – because we always, I always joke about like all these sci-fi things, like Elon Musk talking about he wants to terraform Mars and everything. I'm mm. like, you know what? We've got all these problems on Earth. Well, if we have the terraforming technology to do Mars, why don't we just do Earth? 
<laughs> we're already here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> terraforming a natural desert on Earth would have some unforeseen consequences. I, I guess, <laughs> you know, I suppose. But I mean, I just kind of I find the fact that in the future that they've re- they've found ways of making the Earth more livable because of population or because they had to or whatever. But I do like that scene where he's back with her and like, you know, he's because he, he mentions wanting to go back to his farm you know, seeing his horses when he's with the doctor. And that scene is, that scene is longer in the original cage cut. Um, You know, where he talks about it and then she says some things and she says something about, I made sandwiches that were your mother's recipe and stuff like that. So in that, that alternate universe, he's been there, they're, 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 that's, he's supposed to believe like the, the illusion is that they're married and that they're living there. It's not just a visit. Like that's something and then they instead they take them to the they do the Orion slave trade thing, mm-hmm. but even that is a ton amount of canon that's been created because we get the green slave girl, which is obviously Vina again, mm-hmm. but it's like the Orion slave girl thing is a huge thing in Star Trek when they talk about Orion slave traders, and you know that other guy that's kind of like the corrupt captain who's sitting there like the weird Starfleet guy that's like hey you know get them like nice place you got here, yeah that, you know that whole scene was like a little strange yeah. Um, like, um, and then we, we cut to somebody like, I think it's, they're back on the ship or something. And they're like, he's, he's losing his will to fight this. (laughs) Like. He's tired, I said. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't remember how they're watching. Their sensors, I think, was how they were watching this. I think so. Yeah. Or maybe the Telosians were projecting it. I don't know. Um, Maybe they got tired. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because then, like, they – they. I like the Telosians. Like, he's figuring out the Telosians, but they're figuring out him, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, he's like, you know, you know, like, I'm angry, and I'm – and you couldn't – you couldn't – he's starting to figure out, like, that, you know, when I'm – you weren't paying attention, and I ran at the glass, and I startled you. So he starts to put together that they – that there are certain emotions they can't read through. But they also decide that he feels bad that they punished her instead of him when it was he was the thing. So like, oh, now you want to protect her. Very interesting. So maybe you are like maybe, you know, you're falling for her, which is what they really is their ultimate goal, because they've they've clearly scanned ships before looking for the person that because Venus says it like you, you know, like. They searched my mind in what I thought would be the ideal man, the ideal man that I would be in love with, and it's you. And I just can't help be in love with you. Like it's pretty sm- yeah. like cool, like because otherwise it's stupid that they fall in love in like twelve minutes. <laughs> you know, like you know. Um. So th- during that scene where sh- um sh- the Telosian is mentioning that you know she observing that he's starting to feel protective. Right. It says something that I, I caught, and I'm wondering. I, I'm I'm almost certain it was deliberate. That sh- it says wrong think. So, for context, like that's that's a big, um, well, not a huge thing, but it, it's a thing in uh, George Orwell's 1984. Oh, I didn't catch ri- that. Yeah, which was written in 1940 something. I didn't catch that. Yeah, she says wrong thing. So I'm I'm. I am 
almost certain that that's a reference to 1984. Oh, okay. I, I just thought it was an interesting little... There is a little bit of that, too, where there's definitely some conversations at some point in the episode with the Telosians about that um, they had an advanced society and they destroyed themselves and that they all went underground. And then when they went underground, they basically developed this like ability to amuse themselves and to the point where that's they all became addicted to it. And basically that their race is dying. But there is this thing about, again, that this theme that Roddenberry has in Star Trek about society destroying itself. Mm. That, um, and that's one of the reasons they don't want more humans to come there because the humans will learn this power and they'll end up destroying, taking it back and destroying their own society as well because they we did it here. So they're not this non impotent race like um, some of the other races that we meet in Star Trek, like the Q or, you know, some of these other races that are, you know, infinitely old. Like, mm. I, it doesn't strike me that these are the original Telosians that went underground. Mm. Um, this is just the offspring of offspring of offspring generations later. I don't think this, I don't think that these we're supposed to believe these people are like thousands and thousands of year old. I think that they th- this is they, they they're just generations removed of their ancestors that first went underground um, and they just realize it's now time for them to come back up to the surface because they can come up to the surface now uh, and that's why it's so important that they find um, it's funny because we never really know what other species they've captured mm-hmm. we don't see that yeah we, we they definitely are don't seem like as you said omniscient omnipotent omnipotent like they're just kind of like they're certainly fallible because you know uh, eventually pike gets a hold of one of them and you know tries to choke him out and well it's funny because they bring down two more girls two more women to see Mm -hmm. if he can get them to like explore them and like we're giving you options now here's your chance you can have sex with the computer lady or you can have (laughs) the hot you know redhead if you like gingers or you got we got this other one who was you already met like so and that's almost they're just they're messing with him a little bit but it's funny he messed with them too because they weren't smart enough to think about taking like the phasers away from them like so he just uses that as a to kind of a a trick he tricks that tricks them somewhat and um you know it's neat like i I think it's i mean like they're not and i they're not a truly evil race or something they're just kind of desperate for what they're trying to accomplish and they just think that i don't think they realize what they're doing yeah they they, like i think it was like breeding stock or something like that for their right i don't i don't remember exactly how they they said they were going to like make this into continuing their race they, but somehow they basically said that they were going to need them to like help them you know basically work the land and be farmers and you know, like it wasn't necessarily a race of slaves like like pike says um but it's funny because when they realize that it's not working like the the look on the one Telosian's face, the lead Telosian's like we we didn't expect this. Like we, you know, you were the you were our last hope, and like we're gonna, I guess we're just gonna die now. And and then they kind of like they don't really put up a big fight. Um, they don't try to use their mind control powers to to get them to blow up the ship or anything. Um, you know, like they you know it's you know there's the weird wolf thing that she tries to you know trick them with. Yeah. Um, notice how the the wolf thing didn't actually it wasn't any stronger like so right. i think genuinely they just it's just illusions they can't 
which illusions ca can be dangerous. I think that's how they actually got, like, the two women to being down, but not the rest of the party. I think they probably just tricked the operator into... Yeah, you know, only beam down yeah. the women, and they didn't think of that. That was a trick. But again, they were definitely able to control, and there were limits to what they're able to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's neat. I think it's it's cool that it's cool how they get like you know like I guess to get down there, and it's weird because Kirk like Kirk would have like it's always Kirk or Picard they would have had some way to like we're going to help you guys. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they just left. They kind of like yeah. we just have to leave and. Um, where, but, but Pike does say like, is there any way we could help you? And then they're like, we just can't because again, you guys would eventually learn our powers and you'll destroy your society. So we're rather, we'd rather destroy our society than destroy yours as well. So, you know, but then there's something neat happens. Um, so in your mind, they, but Pike offers success. The women beam up to the ship. He's still there. He wants Vina to go, and then it turns out that mm -hmm. that's not really what she looks like, that she was an adult when she crashed. She was dying. They didn't know how to fix her. What she, they, she works, but she's she's horrific. Yeah, some body horror stuff there. It's really, really like, bad. She's yeah, got, I think she's she the, says, they, they, they healed me, but they didn't know where all the parts went or something yeah. like so that. So she's got like a big, she's got like the, you know, creature, whatever, the, you know, hunchback of Notre Dame shoulder and her face is all scarred up. And, and she's much older than we realize, too. So she can't leave. Yeah. It's not like she'll die if she leaves, but like she can't go around. Like she's unwilling to, you know. She'll give up her, like, she she just go around like that, basically. Right. Like when she can just. I, I, I think it's it's implied that like the illusions also like walk normally and like like I think she had a limp as well in, right. in her true form right uh, which I don't think was present when she wasn't like that so like it's just a lower quality of life for right. her right um, which she doesn't have in the illusion they let her they're a, she's able to just live with the illusion body that she has. Um, so I, I would choose that to be honest. Like if, if I was like Pike or like right. her, you know, it's like, you know, what's life, you know? <laughs> so, but here's, here's the question I want to get to. So like he says, he says, well, you will give her back your beauty. She says, and more. And then we see her beautiful again. And then that's kind of it. We cut to the ship and he beams up to the ship and they're like, what happened to Vina? And he says, well, she decided to stay, and I respect, I understand, and I agree with her. Mm -hmm. And then they go to the bridge, and basically they leave orbit. Mm -hmm. um, in your mind, so Vina's just alone now? What? How do you interpret the ending for Vina? I mean, I assume they probably either created, the ending of the cage anyway, the, they probably just created something to keep her busy, or maybe they themselves were conversing with her. Like, obviously, they're, you know, very different from uh, humans in a social capacity. But, right. like, there's, you know, some amount of stimulation there. Um, alternatively, they can just straight up steal somebody's memories from a passing ship and just, you know. Right. Project you, so you watched it. What did you, how did you feel like that it was? I mean. How did you interpret it? The only way that I could think about it is that they said that they'd crashed, like, 17 years or something right? right 
So she's been there for 17 years by herself. They had to have entertained her somehow. Right. So I would assume, I mean, my assumption is that they just went back to what they were doing. Right. Whatever it was that was keeping her entertained that whole time, whether well, it would here's be. Here's the reason like, I bring this. Well, well the, the, re- oh, go ahead, the, 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 like, whether it be that they projected somebody else for her and they just made her believe that everyone else was there or that they sort of, because the whole goal was to get to find someone for her. Right. So I wonder if maybe they, I mean, there's a million ways you can think about it, right. but I wonder if the maybe they had done something where they just kind of like let her live like a free life until they found somebody and like needed her again, right. I guess maybe. I don't really know. It's. It, but right, I so would then, assume they just went back to what they were doing. So they, so on the episode, hmm. obviously now it's whatever number of years later, um, from when this happened, which is a lot of years now, 13, 13 years. Um, but it's, it's no, but it's more than that because it's, yeah, it's 13 years. It's 13 years since this happened. So now, but now Kirk has brought and Spock have brought Pike and they, they say, we want him to stay. And, and Kirk says, you know, Chris, do you want to stay? And he's like, yes. And so he says, Spock, take her to take him to the transporter room. And when, when you come back, I'm going to talk about how logical you've become. He's like, I think I've been pretty fucking logical through this whole thing, man. Like, I've, I, I outsmarted all you people mm-hmm. this whole entire time. Like, like that the, the Vulcans say, like, that, well, the, the actors, they use the voice actress. And she talks to Kirk and says, like, you know, the illusion of the court martial we knew would delay you because we felt that if you had enough time, you would figure it out how to, to take control of the ship mm-hmm. um and then you we would have never gotten captain pike here ultimately that was our goal um so that's what we did what we did and now and then you see captain pike on the planet mm. as his younger self going up the ramp yeah. with vena and into the thing and 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 the telosian says to captain kirk uh captain pike now has his illusion illusion and you have yours and we hope that you like your way as much as we like ours. Mm. And that's kind of how the episode lines. And they have that dramatic music where Kirk feels all happy that Pike is going to have a good life. Um, uh, yeah, it, better than he had previously. So here's sure. what happens in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> so in the cage, it's a little bit different. Before he beams up to the ship, he looks when they make her young again, and she literally takes an illusion Captain Pike with her Mm. up and goes down the elevator with the illusion Captain Pike. And the Telosian says to Captain Pike, she now has her illusion and you have yours. We hope your way is as good as ours. So in other words, the illusion that they put in the Venus head, the way I interpret it is, is they trick Luna into thinking that she's actually with Captain Pike. Possibly. Or that they just create the illusion that she gets to live out her life with an illusionary Captain Pike, but she doesn't want Captain Pike to sacrifice his whole life for her. She loves him enough to let him go. So either she chooses to live with the illusion or they trick her into thinking that the illusion. So he beams back up to the ship and he goes up to the bridge and then there's a couple little comedic things and he makes a joke about um, 
to Piper about, hey, you remember you? I told you I wanted to go home. I got to go home for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. And blah, ha, ha, ha. And the Enterprise goes off in his merry way. And then there's these cool shots of the Enterprise, you know, dun, 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 like, and they have like a cool little Star Trek Lee thing at the end. And then they, that's how the episode, the original pilot ends. But it's funny how they're able to use that other yeah. version of the footage, edit it up a little bit so that it's Captain Pike actually going back. And then instead of the television call from the Pike, they were talking to Kirk. It's smart how they re-edit the existing footage without having to completely. Well, and that's that's just you know, I mean, it's it's a good way of using that stuff. I love when filmmakers and stuff do that. They take old footage and they manipulate it to change it, like they did that in Star Wars Nine with Leia. Yeah. Like they took old footage and they just CGI'd a different outfit on her, and it was a real conversation. Like it was really Carrie Fisher. Right. I like I love when they do that because obviously. Obviously, the original ending of the cage wouldn't work for this. Of course. Which is like, they were like, okay, well, that's not, technically speaking, the cage isn't, it's the same episode, but the idea is that the actual cage isn't, like, yeah. canon anymore. Right. It's, it's now not. No, you're right. this new yeah. thing. You're right. So the, the cage is not, can't be canon because it's. Because, because it ends it, because completely they different. had to change an alternate ending, obviously, for to make this work. Um, but it's neat how they were able to use the story the way it was done and the right. things that they have to kind of recreate a different ending. Um, and and I and actually, to be honest, this ending works better. Oh yeah. Oh, much better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely less dark. Um, yeah. Because like it's like you know I'd, I'd feel a little weird if like you know just kind of took some kind of a puppet of me and right you know well i mean he, he can't do anything but at least there because his mind they make several points of saying that his mind is perfectly yeah. fine so that he can you know it's not like he's not gonna know oh that, if, if i was controlling the puppet then that's fine if right. somebody else was controlling right. my puppet and i was off like still captaining a starship i'd have problems with that well i think right. i think the other thing to think about too is now i'm still thinking about this is that maybe like they could have gotten away with like the cage is canon because it's almost canon. like like the only thing that's not that that isn't accurate is that very last bit everything else i think is fine well this i mean the but even still i mean couldn't they get away with the idea of just being like well yeah after he left she, they just gave her a projection and then that satisfied her until he got back there right and then she had the real thing. So, like, you could say that, but using the exact same shot is now, like, yeah. it's the same thing. If it, otherwise, they would have had to reuse footage, and that would look bad. So I think they probably, right. when they were sitting there writing it, they were like, like, yeah, this is the new canon now. We, have, the, to, we yeah. have to change it in order for it to for work it to with sense. what we have. And I, and I think it, it makes so much more sense. And, again, I think what's great about it is, is that, you know, and when, again, because I love – I love Strange New Worlds an awful lot. And I even liked when they had Captain Pike on Discovery and Spock and Number One and some of the things that we saw. But I really adore Strange New Worlds, and I like the fact that um, they, there's so much lore for that show that they created out this tiny little bit of, an, of, of the cage. Like this little bit amount of Number One and, and Spock's relationship with pike immensely and it, it it just is such a big thing that you know like he depends on pike for so many things and you see him becoming 
the Spock that we'll meet, the Spock that we're going to see that's Captain Kirk's best friend as opposed to um, Captain Pike, who's his mentor, who's his father figure that he doesn't really have because his father's always been mad that he right. went into Starfleet instead of going to the Vulcan. So I have a question for you yeah. guys, which is, now that we've talked about all of this, is had they gone through with the cage as the original pilot, do you think the show would have done just as well if Pike was the lead character instead of Kirk? Because I have a feeling, like, had they gone through with the cage, they, Kirk would never have even existed. I don't think they could have afforded to have Pike be the the captain through the entire run. If he was as big as he was, you know. I ultimately think, and I've talked, I thought about this a bunch of times before. It's a better show from the second pilot on than the first pilot. Um, I don't think Star Trek is Star Trek if it's not William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy as this version of, of a Vulcan that we get. Right. Because if you think about it, what Spock really is, is he is a merging of two characters. He's a merging of the Spock that we see on um, in the cage with the, the, the mental abilities of number one. Like, I think they merged it into one character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think we would have gotten all the cool Spock stuff that we got. And we certainly, and again, we wouldn't have gotten Leonard McCoy, and we wouldn't have gotten Scotty, and I, Ahura. And, and in so many ways, Star Trek, re, you know, Try 2, or, you know, the second try, is such a better thing than the first one. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it really would have been very dependent on Jeffrey Hunter and mainly Spock blowing up as a character like he did. But ultimately, I don't think Star Trek exists mm. at, at this level. It was a show that was on in the 60s that nobody watches anymore. It will be lost in space. I just don't think it would be, it wouldn't have had, it's just, it's, it's it, you know, and it's also fucking Captain Kirk William Shatner. Like, I just don't know if Jeffrey Hunter is, is, is that same he do, he doesn't have as much name recognition, that's for sure. Rick, what do you think? Um, if if this was the cast they went through, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I think it 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 was it was good in the context of the show, the rest of the show. But like, I think I think Pike's just too much of a stick in the mud. You know, that's what I was thinking. Like, like I don't think that. It's just not as like fun. The character's not as fun as Kirk. Like, Kirk is, like, interesting. He's kind of like a player who actually just, like, like he's a, he's a bit more free-spirited. I feel like an entire show about Pike just being a very... Pike's a military officer. military follow-the-rules guy just would not be nearly as good. And, it's, and, I def- and I agree with that. I think, like, part of why Kirk works is... Um, I, you know, I hate to say it. I read this one somewhere, and I don't remember where I read it, but like it was almost like he's he's a Kennedy, like in the '60s concept <laughs> of like he wasn't like when you think about like what you wanted, what we wanted our politicians to be kind of like in the '60s was the Kennedys. We didn't want them to be these old guys, and like that's why Kirk is supposed to be the youngest captain in the history of Starfleet, 
Um, he doesn't really follow by the rules. He breaks the prime directive on a regular basis because he does what's right. And people kind of like that Kennedy-esque feeling like that we felt about John F. Kennedy and Robbie Ken Bobby Kennedy is that they were these like guys that were going to do what was right uh, over what the rules were. And I think that's kind of what we're supposed to see with Captain Kirk. Like how many times does he say, we've got to do what's right, not necessarily what the rules are, and then hope that they understand why I broke the rules so much. I think that's such an important part of Star Trek. And I think it works better maybe again because they were able to rethink their own idea and and maybe that second version that came out was a better version was a better idea right i don't know yeah you, you immediately get this like this relationship between kirk and uh spock like almost immediately you know this 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 back and forth mutual respect kind of thing and pike just Obviously, in Strange New Worlds, he does, but Pike just doesn't have a. He doesn't seem to have a strong relationship with, with anybody other than the Doctor, really. Right. Like, and the Doctor, he's and they'll they'll they're gonna yeah. canonize that different on the show. Obviously, as you'll see, I love the cast and I love the crew and I love the captain's relationship with the crew on Strange New Worlds. But you're right, I definitely agree with it's very like there's a separation and it's or it's more analogous to me of next generation in the early mm -hmm. seasons about how Picard is very distant from his crew. Like he's not really in that first season especially, like I don't sense that Picard's really close with anybody. Except no. maybe Beverly only because like he was best friends with her husband that died because of him. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, <laughs> and he's like it's almost like he's not super But we get a surrogate for Kirk in that crew, which is Riker. Yes. Who, who is that character. Right. Like, I think when the original development of Next Generation comes out, I think they kind of had this idea that Riker was going to really be the star of the show, that he was going to go on all the away missions and Picard would just be up on the ship, like, polishing his desk. Meanwhile, Riker's running around being the hero with the new Mr. Spock, which was Data. And that's why the first person that meets Data is not Picard. It's Riker. Mm -hmm in the holodeck that's they create that first moment because we don't have we don't ever and this was some things that they've talked about doing and obviously they did in the jj movie but it's not it's not accurate to you know the the prime universe what how did spock and kirk meet there is no official canon version of it of how they first meet now there is in the expanded new television universe about how Kirk and Spock met. But from Strange New Worlds. From right? Strange New Worlds. But before that, we didn't really have something. So they're writing the canon now. Mm -hmm. But for all these years from 1960 until 2023 or 20, whenever Strange New Worlds came out, we didn't have that canon of what's. But we still don't know what is Kirk. I'm waiting. I, I'm hoping that they're moving towards this idea that we might see Kirk and Spock's first real true adventure together. Mm -hmm when they go off and do something together. And I think it's going to be on Strange New Worlds, and it won't even be him as the captain. But I think it's going to be setting up why, when Kirk takes over the Enterprise, he immediately says, I want that guy to be my first officer. I think they're mm -hmm. setting it up that, that they'll build that relationship over whatever number of seasons they're going to do with Strange New Worlds. But it's it's interesting that it took all these years to get to that. We already have an established friendship. Like the, it's not like it's a new crew. Like when we meet the Enterprise, the new, you know, next the marriage. Like when you think about Next Generation, mm -hmm. Voyager, mm -hmm. Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, Discovery. <laughs> these crews are all coming together in the pilot. Where next, where the original series, they were already together. 
yeah, a couple characters come and go, but the the the, the main crew's already there. It's this isn't Kirk's. Kirk's already captain of the Enterprise when the show starts. Mm-hmm. Picard, P- Pike is already captain of the Enterprise even under this thing. So it's different. Like where instead of it like the other shows are all like this is how it got. This is how it started. Mm-hmm. Like they're all new to the ship. Where that's not the case in, Enterprise, in the original Star Trek that they're 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 already on the ship together. They're already kind of friends. Well, and they kind of they kind of wrote that into like the JJ verse too, which was like this is the first time like this is a brand new ship. This is the right. first time everybody's coming together, and it just happens to be all the characters that everybody knows. But it doesn't. But it's and like and for like like for a lot of Star Trek fans, a lot of people get mad at that. And I realize it's a, it's an alternative universe, but people get mad because the Enterprise shouldn't be new. The Enterprise should be like old. The Enterprise should not be new. Like the Enterprise. Like again, I know it's an alternate universe, but this should be a different because Pike should have already been captain of the Enterprise like fifteen years, thirteen years ago. Like, mm-hmm. like the ages are kind of goofy. Like it's like you know it's, that's why I think they gave him like in the thing they gave him like gray hair because it's supposed to be, you know, thirteen years after what we see, like there, Pike, you know. Pike was a little too old in um, the uh, JJ verse, I think. Like, to be getting his first command of the Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, like. Well, he was already a captain. They just gave yeah. him right. that ship. Yeah. For right. the first time. But literally when but when you see like in the JJ movie when when Chris Pine rides up on his motorcycle and joins Starfleet and he says, I'm gonna become a captain in three years or whatever he yeah. says, or you said three years, I'll do it in two. Um, the Enterprise is just getting built. The Enterprise is literally being built, which and again, I know it's a, I know it's an alternate universe, I don't want to go down that stupid thing, but yeah. like in 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 Star Trek Canon, the Enterprise and, and you know who's the captain of the Enterprise? There's a captain of the Enterprise before um, Robert April is the captain of the Enterprise before Pike. We know of a, we know of the captain that was because it's from the animated series. Uh, Admiral, um, what do they say? April? Com- yeah, I think it's Admiral a- Captain April and his wife. Um, are on an animated episode of the original of Star Trek, the the animated series that was on back in the seventies, and they're the original captain. Him and his wife were on. He was the original captain of the Enterprise when it came out of of space dock, even before Pike was captain. So Robert April is the actual original captain of the Enterprise, and it's canon. Like everything in in everything in um, in animated series is canon as well. And again, we meet Robert April even in. Um, they they've changed his, his race because he's black and Captain April is on Strange New Worlds, but he's black. He's not on in like a like he is in the thing. So it's it's the Enterprise is not a new ship when Captain Kirk gets it. I I I I just have to assume that like in the Kelvin timeline, like that the Enterprise in the Kelvin timeline is. A lot bigger oh, than, yes. than the Enterprise yeah. in the Prime Universe, and like I assume that it's just got, it just took longer to build. Like it, right. it's it's basically a battleship. Like oh, I would agree with that. I definitely think that the J verse, the JJ verse, is a definitely more militarized version of Starfleet, um, and clearly that's a bigger issue because in obviously the second movie, when uh, RoboCop. Is the guy who has that big ass ship that's even bigger than the Enterprise? Yeah. <laughs> that ship is just ridiculous. The one that they painted it black to make the it USS Vengeance, whatever it is, whatever the it's one like that's twice the size of yeah. a Galaxy class. Or yeah, something. like it's it's ridiculous. Like, and I mean, I, and again, I and everybody's got their pluses and minuses about those movies, but they're 
and they're great. And I like those movies an awful lot. I'll watch them. I don't dislike them, but they're just not, they're just not Star Trek enough for me. There's a lot of Star Trek in it, but it's missing a little bit of the soul. It's action. It's action versus science. It's like, it's kind of like Picard, to be honest. Or Picard is kind of like it in a lot of ways. Sure. Like it's, it's very, very much a narrative happening. And like, you know, we're not straying too far from it, you know. Well, I mean, if you watch all the shows, there's always that. Like, and we've talked about it. It's the moral play, yeah. and I and there is a bit of a moral play that's kind of in there with with the JJ movies, but it's not really there. I mean, it's 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 loosely disguised, and and it's you know it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's some of the same reasons why people don't like the JJ versus Star Wars for the same reasons <laughs> because they feel like it's it's surface level fandom. It's not the deep understanding, which is what I think most people wanted because originally. That was what they wanted. They they that was they they had this. There was a different script in mind for the how Captain Kirk and Mister Spock meet, but then they decided they needed to make it something, and they decided to make this whole tra- time travel concept. And I do agree with the time travel concept is that you needed to have this alternative universe because otherwise everybody's going to get pissed. <laughs> and they needed and they and the best way to do it is have Leonard Nimoy be Mister Spock in the movie. So I do agree with that. I think that works incredibly well. Um, because it's an out. Yeah. It's an out to say, well, Leonard Nimoy's in the movie, and he says, like, yeah, this is just an alternative universe. Like, it's alternate versions of He ourselves. literally just says, I went through a black hole and popped yeah. out, and here I was. Yeah, and it's whatever like, okay, our lives, well, I guess we believe whatever this. Whatever our lives would have been has now been changed. This is now alternate. Yeah. He says something like that might as well. He might as well looked at the camera and said, this is an alternate universe. Don't worry about, you know, your red two by four railings. They still exist in an alternate timeline. <laughs> and Star Trek's all about alternate timelines. There's thousands. There's like tons of episodes are about alternate timelines. Right. So what do you think overall? Is this this you can see why this I think yeah. you can see why this episode won an award. Yeah, this this is one of the better episodes of season one, to be honest. Like, okay. like you know what? Honestly, I'm going to say it's the best episode of season one. Really? Yeah, like, n- maybe not the most iconic, but, like, okay. it's just it's it's just the way that, like, they wove the narrative together and, like, wove it into the original narrative of the It's in, It's the up pilot. to this point, I think it's the best written. Yes. I definitely would agree with you. I think written, script-wise, that they really like punched my ticket in terms of writing mm-hmm. what do you think obviously you've watched a bunch of episodes even some beyond this see and where how are you on this one see it this episode is a is a very 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 good example of lazy writing and good writing at the same mm-hmm. time like they were like i don't want to lose this episode so let's just use the cage footage and make a whole episode out of it but also I could only imagine they have to sit there and be like, but we can't just use it. We have to find a way to make it make sense. So then sitting there and coming up with this moral There's definitely other episodes behind it well, is like based on your point, because there's definitely episodes down the road that are lazy where they don't really explain why well, why would we be seeing footage like this? Because it feels like it's something that somebody shot with a camera and not just security cameras that are up on the ceiling. Or, you know, somehow the computer is recording everything at all the time, like, like you know, like multiple security cameras. But I agree with that. I, I definitely rank it up there. And having, and again, every time I rewatch one of these episodes from, from the standpoint of doing it for this show, like, I definitely have a different appreciation, except for Mary. Yeah. Um, I, 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 
it moved up for me um, now, especially because of Strange New Worlds. Um, and I apologize if I keep bringing that up, but um, mm, it's fine. Um, I just think it's smart the way they did it. Well, um, I just I, I, there's like a couple I, episodes coming up. One of them is one of the next episodes that we have mm-hmm. to cover. I think Corbin Ebenezer is one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. Well, like I said, I think like this is an example of lazy writing that became good writing. You know, like I I feel like they really were like, oh man, we really, really, really want to use this and don't want to lose it. But they used it in such a good way. That's what I'm saying is I feel like I feel like also it is it is one of those moments where as opposed to the typical clip show, I feel like it's one of those moments where Gene Roddenberry was sitting there and he's like, they rejected my pie. How can I make them have to watch it? Yeah. That's an interesting. You know point. what I mean? <laughs> like, like they have to watch my new pilot, so I'm. Or, uh, they have to watch the original pilot, so I'm just going to force them with by by literally being like, "Hey, this is what happened." I I do remember a particularly egregious clip show from. Um, I think it was like the end of either the beginning of season three. Uh, no, it was close to the end of season three or four of TNG, where. Uh, Picard is sick or something like that. No, Riker is sick. Riker gets infected with like some kind of a tentacle on on a planet. Um, he gets stung by it. And they just kind of reuse footage from like uh, older episodes of Star Trek. That's lazy. That was awful. That was a terrible episode. I think all clip shows are lazy. Like, um, this is probably a clip show that's not lazy. Um, there's like three or four, my wife watches a lot of friends and there's three or four clip episodes of friends that are just like, uh, just awful. They're just like so hard to watch. Um, but, uh, but I think that I do agree with your sentiment though, that Roddenberry like wake, woke up in the middle of the night, like for months trying to figure out how am I going to get to use this footage? Because I want, I think this footage is important and I think this will, this will be important in my canon. It was, it was expensive expensive to film that episode too like, and my my wife is telling me that she wants my number her number one character yeah. to still get some airtime. so i wonder if she gets well yeah when you get residuals not that they were very much back then she's the computer she's the computer forever too, so <laughs> all right so yeah. when we come back next time we have um corbin i maneuver which is happens right before this and I'll, maybe i'll have some tranya for that episode okay have you ever had tranya nope you know, we hope you like it as much as you relish it as much as I do. That's a line from the episode. Oh, okay. uh, and then we, and then we also have, I think, Conscience of the King, yeah, which I enjoyed that episode. So Star Trek has always had this weird um, connection with Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Shakespearean themes. There's a lot of Renaissance style stuff yes. in the show. A lot, and there's a there's clearly documented. There's even there was even a college class somewhere that talked that wrote that that was about Star Trek, and it how it really much is very it's very much like Shakespearean plays. Mm-hmm. Um, even once in a while they have a funny one, which is what you know Shakespeare kind of theoretically didn't even though probably he didn't write those, but who knows. But then also the concept of. Um, like if you think about episode uh, Star Trek Six, mm. when the when the when the Klingons come onto the Enterprise, and they say you haven't you know you haven't uh, you haven't really experienced Shakespeare until you've written read, read it in the original Klingon, which is so they have this premise that somehow the Klingon are quite aware because you got friggin' what's his name, uh, you know, uh, quoting 
quoting Shakespeare because <laughs> he's trying to kill the Enterprise crew. Um, uh, but but I but this episode they go full on. We're going full on. We're doing Shakespeare in the middle of the effing episode. We're gonna like literally. Oh, yeah. We're doing freaking Macbeth while we're on the Enterprise, like pretty much or whatever yeah. play they're doing. Yeah, we're just we're just gonna do a play. <laughs> and and we get Commander uh, Kevin Riley back for another. Captain Thomas O'Reilly, he's back on this episode. So we'll have those two next time. Yep. So I guess we'll cut it there then. Yeah. If you have any feedback on any of the episodes, like, uh, for example, when we cover the Corbinite Maneuver, and uh, the, I've already forgotten what the title of the next episode is. Conscious, Conscious, of, the of, the King. Conscious King. of the King. Go ahead and send that feedback to Double Fist Punch Podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, we still haven't gotten anything on that, so, but I'm looking at it. So, yeah, so please share it if you're a Star Trek fan. Please share it with some of your other. There were a lot of us. Uh, sometimes those Star Trek fans like to hide a little bit. We try mm-hmm. to pretend not we're big Star Trek fans, but it's, hopefully you enjoy this. And yeah, it's not yeah. the '90s anymore. You don't need to hide. Right. You won't be chucked into a volcano. No. <laughs> Maybe over an ledge like by rock. Yeah. He's still falling. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, he's he's gone. Oh. Nope, we're gone. Okay. I think he faded out on us. Nope, we're All back. Right, we're, no, we're back. Ready? We're back. All right. Double fist punch. Okay. <laughs> oh, we forgot to sing. Da, 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 da